Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, it's Matt McLaughlin from Living History, and thank you for joining me for a very special announcement about our Battle Walks podcast. This is the podcast I do with historian Pete Smith, where we get out and walk the great battlefields of Europe. In a virtual sense, we will describe what it's like to stroll across the battlefields. It's something we really enjoy doing. And now for Apple listeners of the podcast, we have a really exciting announcement. We now have subscriptions available. And what this means is that for a very small monthly fee, you can get bonus episodes that you won't normally get. So it's basically Pete and I talking about elements of the battlefields that we don't have time to cover in the podcast. And it means that every week you will get a bonus episode of Pete and I describing walking across the battlefields, talking about the experience for the men, talking about our relationship with the battlefields and just painting a much broader picture of the Great War, the Second World War and some of these other fantastic chapters of history that we explore in the podcast. So subscriptions are available now and the best part is you can get one week free. So on your Apple device, you'll see when the Battle Walks podcast comes up, you'll see that you can click a button to subscribe. You'll get one week free to listen to the first couple of bonus episodes that we've done. And from then on, if you enjoy it for a very small monthly fee, you can continue to subscribe. So the first episode we did in this bonus series was all about machine guns and their use during the First World War. It's a topic that we've covered several times as we do the podcasts, but we thought it would be a good opportunity to dig really deeply into this topic. And so we did a 30-minute episode about the use of machine guns. And for your listening pleasure here, here is an excerpt from that episode so you can see exactly what it's all about. And if you enjoy it, please do go on your Apple device and subscribe and hear Pete and I talking about many more facets of the battlefields. So here we are talking about machine guns. You're right what you say about the Germans never perfecting a light machine gun. And because of that, the Lewis gun became a very prized weapon for them to capture as well. And when we look at things like the Battle of Dernancourt in March 1918, for example, just after the start of the German Spring Offensive... Um, we note that uh, when Stan McDougall was awarded his Victoria Cross, and we did a we did a battle walk on Dernancourt, so go and check that out. But when St- when Stan McDougall was awarded his Victoria Cross for uh, for capturing and killing a whole bunch of Germans, he did so with a Lewis gun that he picked up from the Germans. And there has been some conjecture as to where that Lewis gun came from, but it now seems fairly likely that the Germans had captured that from a British unit in the early days of their spring offensive. So it's it's fascinating to imagine the Germans advancing with an enemy machine gun, because they'd require, they'd have to work out how to use it, they'd need to find ammunition for it. Extraordinary that uh, the weapon would be so highly prized that the, the enemy would be using it. 
It's interesting. We look at the uh, weight of fire. I'm talking about Australians again, as it happens here, because they were so depleted manpower wise. The only way that they could still take part in a battalion attack and be successful was that they were carrying an awful lot of machine guns that compensated for the lack of men. And one of the things that they were also doing was as they overran German uh, units in that 100 days, in that advance to victory, as they overran these uh, German units, they discovered that the Germans were using the the, the, the Lewis guns. And so, uh, as you just said, Matt, they were then incorporating them in the, back into their own battalions. So they probably, at the end of all of these actions, actually had more guns than they should have done. But uh, that didn't matter because they needed them. They needed the extra, extra guns. It's this is potentially a little one of our uh, Matt and Pete's tangents, but it's interesting. It just reminds me of how what it, what difficulty that would have created. One thing we don't think about on the battlefields is the importance of sound, and men get very used to the sound of weapons. They 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 learn the sound of their own weapons. They learn the sound of enemy weapons, and that helps play a lot of direction on the battlefield. That when they hear a German machine gun firing at them, that obviously indicates where the enemy is. If that starts to get swapped around. If, if, yeah. if they start using each other's weapons, that can really yeah. throw the whole thing out. And I recall um, Gary Mackay, my good friend who's a Vietnam veteran, he tells a story about how they went into action. They, they were ambushed by a, by a Vietnamese patrol. They came under fire, but there was an M60. They recognized from the sound an M60 kept firing at them, and it took them a long time to work out what was going on. They thought they'd run into another Australian unit who was accidentally firing on them. And it turned out that the Vietnamese had captured an M60 machine gun and was using it against them. And then, of course, when Gary's platoon eventually won the position, they captured the machine gun. Um, and then they, <laughs> without telling anyone that they now had a, a bonus M60, they then took that into, bat- into battle with them as well. So they had three machine guns instead of the standard two, and that was pretty inf- that was pretty important in the uh, the upcoming battles that they they took part in. So, but Gary talks about it. it was it was baffling that we were getting fired on by a gun that we recognised as an M60, and it just really threw us out. So it would have been the same for the for the troops during the first World War when Lewis guns opened up on them. It's interesting. I've heard most guns fire over the, over the years uh, in various uh, uh, simulations using blank ammunition and sometimes live uh, ammunition when I was when I was serving still. And in fact, uh, I remember. Uh, about uh, the middle of my career, so this would be, I suppose, in the mid-80s, one of the armourer warrant officers, uh, an armourer looks after all the weaponry, he was leaving, he was being marched uh, off the barracks, and as a thank you, they let him uh, fire an old Vickers gun with blank ammunition down the main drag, was his his leaving present, they'd got it out of the museum, and that's because uh, during uh, Aden, in the the 1950s, he'd actually been a a Vickers machine gunner there, and I think it was the last time was Aden that would uh, uh, Vickers machine guns uh, had been used and so as he's leaving present this thing was firing down the main drag it was spectacular to watch one uh, firing and prolonged fire um, so yeah the only one I haven't heard fire is the Lewis I've never heard a Lewis gun fire uh, in anger or otherwise now that's the one I have actually heard fire the Lewis gun and it's that distinctive sound because there's yeah. there's some debate as well about whether a Lewis gun was a true machine gun or sometimes it's just referred to as an automatic rifle because it had a very low, a very slow rate of fire. It was real, you could hear every individual round being fired, quite a distinctive sound. And once again on the battlefield, that would have been uh, very easy to pick as you came under fire from the enemy using your own machine guns. It's probably a good segue, Pete, for us to talk about the next section we're going to discuss, which is the experience for the men uh, with machine guns. I'm particularly interested here not so much in machine gunners and how they took Mm. machine guns into battle, but the experience of coming up against a machine gun, you know, and obviously in the the, the the huge battles we talk about in the Somme and Passchendaele and 
you know, all these battles we talk about where the the Allied armies were advancing and the Germans were in defensive positions. Obviously, machine guns were a cornerstone of the German defensive system. Just talk to us a little bit about that, how the Germans used the machine guns in these great battles. Now, if we're on two, you see, I get, I get all of my clients lined up in a great long line here and I try and explain enfilade fire. Uh, I'm sure we've done this before in a, in a podcast, but it's always worthwhile. Uh, you can never do it too many again. times. You can never talk no, about enfilade. No, you can't. No, you can't. It's, well, that's, you know, so, jokes aside, it's such an instrumental yeah, part of what is. life on the battlefield was like. It is, because straight away the view you have to think about is the the German machine gunner, how is he going to use his gun? Is he going to be swinging it? As we all mentally think about that he's swinging it from left to right, kind of searching out individuals and shooting down rows of men. But that isn't how how they do it for several reasons. One is if you're swinging around a gun backwards and forwards, it's got a canvas belt that your number two is trying to feed it, it into the machine gun. All it needs is for that belt to twist and it, it jams. So you don't want the gun to be swinging around because the old number two there is having real difficulty in feeding the belt into the gun. So that's one of the reasons. The other reason that you don't want to be swinging this around, because you can imagine as your enemy is coming nearer to you and you have to be across at the left-hand side, then over at the right-hand side, it's like it's like a hose. It becomes like a hose pipe trying to hose the the, the attacking infantry. It just doesn't work. It's, it's just not a good way of using a gun. What most guns are using the enfilade uh, for enfilade fire, which effectively means you're firing to the flank and you don't have to swing the gun around at all. All you do is you basically keep the gun firing in a fairly, fairly fixed position and you wait for the enemy to walk into your field of fire. It's very often known as a beaten zone. It's where all the bullets are going to hit or fly across. And uh, and your enemy is going to, in this case, the the first of July. It's uh, it's the the British who are trying to get across no man's land, and they're they're walking into these fields of fire, these beaten zones. Now, if you're really clever, you have interlocking fields of fire, interlocking beaten zones, so they're crisscrossing in front of your trenches so that nobody can get through. And, of course, if you do get through, then you've got the individual riflemen who are going to pick off the people that are getting through as well. So... If you've got it working well, then it's almost impenetrable. Add the barbed wire to that and then the artillery. It is amazing that anybody got across no man's land at any point during any battle. But they do, of course, and that's because you're getting counter battery fire and counter machine gun fire. Um, and those very often keep the heads down of those that are firing if it's, if it's accurate. Uh, during the Battle of the Somme, there was a problem with both of those, so it's not going to happen. But... Um, yeah, a, mach- a machine gun being used properly has not been swung around uh, by a maniac. It has been uh, fired very slowly and carefully. And that's the other thing you don't do. You don't put your, you press your finger on the old tip to fire it and it's going off like the, like the clappers. Um, because what would happen is you boil your, dra- your jacket dry because these things are, are water cooled. Um, you wear out the barrel. So it's just firing in small bursts like that, uh, nice and steady. Um, and for nervous gunners, they would even sometimes take out every kind of fifth or sixth round out of the belt. And that meant the gun stops. And so you have to lean forward and recock it. And that will slow down the fire of a nervous gunner because he's got to recock all the time. So I suspect they didn't do it in battle. It would probably be used in training to help aid them with training. Another little tip was to make your gun move a little bit more that a gunner would bang his wrist on the, as he's recocking, he would just bang the gun a little bit. 
and just a tiny movement, in other words, just judder it a bit, a little movement would give you another area to fire on. So your gun's not moved a great deal, in other words, where the beaten zone is, but it's just moved it a little bit. And that sometimes w- would help as well. So they're all little tips that the, uh, that the gunners learnt as they, as they were training and in, and, and in practice. So that was a little taste of Machine Guns, the bonus episodes that we're now doing for subscribers through Apple Podcasts. So if you enjoy that, don't forget to listen to the Battlewalks podcast, which is free and always will be free uh, on your Apple device or any other device that you listen to your podcasts on. But if you are using Apple and you want that extra content, then please do subscribe. Get one week free and then a low monthly fee to listen to Pete and I talking about more bonus episodes walking the battlefields thank you very much and we'll see you for another chapter of history hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook to learn more about each episode. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you have a couple of options. You can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee forward slash PGMH or consider subscribing to the podcast for only £2 per month and get ad-free listening and bonus content. You can find links for both on our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Sounds great, doesn't it?